And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll share our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Another Q&A. So we haven't done one of these in a while. And they're not, like I said, I think our first opening one is is about the pandemic. But like generally, these are just like, work and gig type questions and I thought they'd be kind of cool for us to dig into and uh, give you guys like they're pretty variety there's a pretty good variety but I feel like there'd be something good for us to kind of get into and branch into other topics with so yeah yeah I love a good Q&A because I feel like listeners can learn a little more about like us and our preferences and how we feel about certain things and then I love them because like a lot of times these questions we get from you guys, like some, either our students will ask us or someone will write in. So I love a good Q&A. It's always a super fun, fun time. Same. All right, let's dive in with our first one. What is the hardest and what has been the hardest and easiest part of teaching during the pandemic? Ooh, okay. Right. Um, the easy part has been not having to, I'll be so honest, If we're talking about kids, so I'll do kids and then adults. Kids, the easiest part has been not having to deal with behaviors because Mm -hmm. we're not in my classroom. We are not physically together. So something's going on. I can mute you. I can remove you from the meeting. I can put you in a breakout room and the rest of the class does not need to be distracted. So that's definitely been the easiest thing for kids. I think the hardest thing for kids is that you're like, you're not there with them live. And so the things that we would usually do about corrections on certain technique things, or being able to like, just show you in person, there's still a difference between showing you online and in person, like what something should look like. And it's the feel, the feel of a piece that you're a combination that you're, you're giving them or, you know, like that, like that's definitely been, um, and like vibing off of each other, especially like my older kids, when we start to create stuff, like you can't really vibe off each other online. I think for adults, well, I think for adults, I'm going to say the hardest thing when I'm thinking about like pieces I've done. So not necessarily teaching, but uh, like pieces I've done. You as a choreographer or even as a teacher can like know what it is you want to get out of the dancer, but it's hard sometimes to really verbalize and extract that when we have this like barrier between us Mm. Um, out of like, is this what you want? Is this sure? Are you okay? Is is this right? So that's tricky. I do think the easiest thing has been though, that even within that, almost going along that same line has been like, just try it, you know, just like, just, just go for it. What works. And it's giving a lot of people ability to try new things and get out of their comfort zone because we're not in the same room. So just go for it and try it. What about you? I would have to agree. Like, honestly, with both of them, like one of the cool, like not having to deal with behavior issues this year has been great. Cause like, I think honestly, I think like that's the last thing I needed to deal with was behavioral issues this year. Like that's, it just was like, that's the absolute last thing I need. Um, so that's been great to like, let's not have to deal with that at all. Um, 
and I would say even like even with like the adults so just like for the most part everyone kind of understood that this is we're in uncharted territory like we don't have to be crazy like there's nothing crazy we have to deal with so like attitudes have been generally a lot better for the most part with work colleagues so that's how that's like been pretty good um hardest part has definitely just been through zoom and google meets and uh i I, i've tried all of them as we've mentioned on other episodes i've tried all all the different virtual ways to teach and some are better than others some are pain yes like and just for me not having that energy to vibe off of is such a huge difference like I'm so used to having, to be able to feed off each other's energy. Like, I think that just makes for wonderful work. And not having that was probably one of the hardest things to do. Like, cause I, I'm never, prior to the pandemic and probably post pandemic, I am not a virtual learner. I'm not, a, I'm just not a fan of it. I think it can be useful in meeting situations like, um, or, you know, quick check-ins, but like, collectively teaching not a fan not a fan at all just not a fan yeah um our second question is what are your favorite types of gigs to choreograph yeah yes i don't mind film and television but i love life here i love life theater I love live theater. What, and I say live theater is like, even like concert dance setting too. I sometimes I think it would be a tie in between like musicals and concert dance. Mm-hmm. Some days I, I lean more towards one than the other, and other days reverse. Like, but I really give me a good musical or give me a good concert dance piece where I can sink my teeth into it and like we can just we can discover as we go because like there's so much. Like, I'm a planner. I'm totally a pre-planner. Like, I will choreograph an entire piece before I walk into a rehearsal. But I love getting into that rehearsal and then adjusting it to fit the bodies that I have, to adjust the skill and caliber, or new tricks or new stunts. Or, like, sometimes, you know, I'll be like, I just want to play. Or people, you know, I remember being um, a lab I was setting, and one of the guys who I did not know, he was like, I can do an aerial. And I was like, you can, can I see it? He's like, yeah, sure. I'm like, and it, you know, I'm like, great. Part, no, I want that. I never choreographed an aerial at, you know, originally, but like to be able to get in the room and figure that out, that was great. Like, I love moments like that. And that's less likely to happen when you're doing film or, you know, other types of gigs, because there's just a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to film and there's a lot of moving parts to like even like music videos or even like live music performances sometimes. So like when it's just a good old fashioned dance break or, you know, a concert dance piece that's all dancers, like there's just so much more room to play that those are absolutely my favorite. Absolutely my favorite. What about you? I agree. Um, I think I lean toward musicals the most. I love working on musicals, I grew up in and around theater. Um, But I also sometimes like a good, like you said, like a good concert piece, like I'll just get struck with an idea or hear a song and I just want to create a, just a straight dance piece to it. Um, So I would say that that's probably second to musicals, but I definitely am inclined if I, the mood strikes. Yeah. Dance for camera was something I never really loved, like in college or anything. Um, I did a dance piece 
a film dance piece during the pandemic, which came out really cool, but it's so tricky. It's so, so tricky. Mm -hmm. That's definitely my least. And then if we're thinking like within the realm of like a musical or, or anything, what's my, like, like give me a genre, like what's my favorite type of gig to choreograph. I love a good, um, I love a good, either like really fucked up show, like a super fucked up musical or premise dance piece to create, or I want something really campy. Right. So I want either like, um, I want either like Bat Boy or like Blood Brothers or like something just like devastating and wild, or I want to do like Rocky Horror and Zombie Prom. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll do anything. We love a good, golden age musical right we love a good classic but my favorites are either are either like super campy or super fucked up yeah i'm totally for that totally for that oh yes all right our next question how do you stay kind on a gig when you're exhausted i think that's when self-care which we talked about so much over the past year because of the pandemic really comes into play that's when you need to do a couple of things. You need to, A, know your boundaries and not be afraid to say no. No, thank you. That's not going to happen. And um, you need to you need to know yourself, right? You need to recognize that when you start feeling picked off and annoyed that you can go, okay, I'm going to take a step away. And after rehearsal or filming or whatever it is that night, you can go home, you can make a good meal, take a bath work out, read a book, watch a movie, whatever it is to help you unwind. Um, but I think like self-care is huge in that so that um, you're able to kind of rejuvenate. So hopefully not be as exhausted and continue to have healthy relationships because it's inevitable that at some point in a process, you're probably going to get exhausted. And I think the only way to combat that is to help yourself by doing what, what it is your body and your like soul needs. And I think I, I completely agree with that because I think the thing that you have you have to know what the gig needs and you have to know what your body needs. And I think that's where it gets that's where you have to be honest with yourself. Like I know when I'm really heavy on teaching gigs, I'm a nun. I go to bed. Like I go to bed like at 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Like I, I do not stay up like and be the night owl that I really am, like I naturally am. But if I know my teaching schedule is that I'm up at six, seven in the morning and I'm in a school building teaching by, by seven or eight a.m., no, I just go to bed. Like I just forget the hanging out late. I say no to friends. I was like, if we're going to lunch or dinner, that's happening at five. Like I am going to bed because I know that's what the gig needs. But then on the reverse of that, when I'm doing a lot of choreographing or we do that shift from rehearsals to like previews and shows at night. And I know my night is not ending until like 1 a.m. I don't take stuff in the morning or I sleep in the extra hours and I don't, you know, I don't hate myself because I don't get up and stretch in the morning. Like I normally do. I push it to the afternoon. Like I kind of just adjust to what my body needs, you know? And I think of like gigs where you're like at summer stock gigs or films or where you're with the entire, you're with a group of people for an extended period. And like you get out of rehearsal and everybody wants to hang out. It is perfectly okay to say no, to say, I understand you all want to go to Johnny's pizza down the street, but like, I'm going to go home, make me some dinner. I'm going to go watch, go watch who wants to be a millionaire. And then I'm going to bed. You know, it's perfectly okay to do that. And those yeah. situations, you just, you have to take care of yourself. 
you're going to be exhausted. What we do is exhausting. I brought up a good point. Um, I'm thinking about like every summer stock situation. I've done everything I've choreographed. And then um, I also worked on a film years ago and it was like an on location. So same type of thing, like a summer stock, like you're on location. Everyone lives in the same two block vicinity. You're all constantly at work. And like, yeah, those are the times where you're going to get the most exhausted. Yep. So say no and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so our next question is, how do you learn to work with all of the different people and departments when you're on a gig? So I'm thinking this is like, you know, you walk in as the choreographer or a dancer and how are you able to, and I, I'm, again, this, this question is making me think about summer stock or, or on location filming when you're going to just be living, breathing, working with these people the whole time. So how do you continue to work with all of these different types of people, all of these departments and um, I'll throw on my own thing, especially I feel like if, you know, there are some people that you don't necessarily get along with super well. It's well, I was going to say that's going to happen regardless. You're not going to like everyone. You're not no. going to like everyone. You and that's okay. Um, it's just not possible to like everyone. But what I will say the, and this, the more you do this or whatever part of the arts industry you're in, you will learn that certain personalities end up in certain departments and that kind of helps in a way. Um, you will also learn that certain departments just have their own kind of culture. And I say this as like a choreographer and a director, like I just kind of know what I'm getting from certain departments, which kind of helps. helps. And then I, I learn the people, like I learn what that person needs so we can do this job on a professional level. And then I also just learned, I don't want to hang out with that person when we're not talking work and business. Um, because like the first thing for me is like, first of all, give every department respect. Even if you have no clue what they actually do, give them respect and be prepared for open and honest dialogue. Cause nothing kills me more. It's when you get a director or a choreographer that will like yell at costuming for something or will yell at like the uh, projection team. Cause that's something that a lot of older directors and choreographers don't have a lot of experience is dealing with projections and projections have to talk with lights and lights have to talk with projections. So you might want to have the stage look like a a rainbow, but you also want the backdrop to look like Beyonce. Both those things can't happen at the same time because lights got to give way and projections got to give way to the others. And so just like completely blasting on the department for not giving you what you want when you may not know the specifics, like that can't happen. Like you got to generally just give everybody respect. Um, And if they're not doing the job, why are they working for you? If you're in a high enough position or, and if you do still have to work with them, learn to ask what you're going to ask for. There have been gigs. I've done this as an actor too. I've gone into auditions where I know the pianist isn't great. And I will choose the simplest song that I can. Or there have been other gigs where like, I know that like I had a great idea for a set piece for a concert dance piece we were doing, but my my set designer was not good. So I had to simplify, change and adjust just to make it work. You know, sometimes you do have to adjust what you're doing to accommodate the people that you have. And I think it's, 
case by case basis. Like if I work with people that I've worked with before, I know how they work. I know what they need. They know what they need from me. Um, so I think it's uh, something you have to kind of learn. Definitely yeah. trial by error. I agree. I think the first thing is kind of like what you said is like, just remember that everyone is an expert in their own field. So, you know, if the, if the costume designer is asking for something, the set designer, the carpenter, whatever it is, that they are an expert in their field. And so to trust that, um, because you don't want them to question you about, you know, your work as an actor, dancer, choreographer, whatever. So don't question theirs. Um, and then I agree if unfortunately you're surrounded with some people who, you know, aren't great at their job, right? They can still be the expert, but just execution wise are, are not the best. They're better at the idea. Um, then you also have to adjust as well, right? Because you want to find the middle ground of how can we make this the best show, film, you know, product possible. So what do we need to do to get there? Let's go into our next question. What is your favorite, what is your favorite performance that you've seen? Oh, hard. Right? Oh my God. No, my favorite performance ever? I mean, we could probably go like top three if we needed to, but like. Well, something that sticks out, I don't know if it's necessarily, I would say like my favorite one ever but something that did come pop into my mind right away was when I was in college I had a professor uh Gabe Masson who choreographed this piece called Midnight and it was about when you are dying and and passing over and what that looks like you know it was a straight concert dance piece and, and it was just gorgeous everything from the lighting to the costumes to the choreography to the dancers was just apps, apps, absolutely gorgeous. Um, and I do think that, you know, I always remember that piece. So I think that that just really stuck with me for some reason. It was a piece, so it's definitely a, probably one of my favorites that I've ever seen. Just really, really gorgeous. For what about me, It would have to be, and I, I'm sure I've brought this up on the show before, but uh, the play is called, it's Neil Simon's Fools. And... I saw a high school production of it and it, I was in high school at the time and I saw this production of it and they won like the state competition that year or whatever. But like the only set were two doors. Like that was mm. the only set, it was two doors. And so watching those actors like be in character from the time they hit the stage, cause you would see them hit the stage walk in through the door, go on, do the scene, and then walk back out through, like, the commitment that was never lacking. And we were, like, it got to the point where we were, like, looking for them to break character as they were walking off stage or, like, the walks or the mannerisms, like, mm -hmm. but it was, it was pure, like, it was a, it was an acting piece that was purely about the acting. Um, and I think those are still some of my favorite pieces is that it's the acting and not the costumes, not the props, not the set. Like it is just people on stage acting. Yeah. And so I, I, to this day, I think that will still always be one of my favorite performances I've ever seen. And honestly, I wish I, now that I'm starting to direct more, I would love to recreate that. I would love to do that show and direct something very similar to that where there's almost no set at all, just acting. Oh my God, I love like minimalist yeah. work. It's one yes. of my favorite things. But Absolutely. yeah, agreed. 
Um, our next question is, what are your favorite people to work with? So what types of people? Is there anyone in particular you want to shout out? Um, first of all, I just love what people that love doing what they do. And I know that sounds crazy, but like, and hopefully it will be better after said pandemic break for everyone. But like, there are sometimes you work with people that just don't love what they do. Like they're just in it for the money, especially when you start talking TV and film because the money is mm-hmm. nice. But like when you get people that are just in it for the money or there's no passion, like I, I like working with people that get excited to do what we do. You know, it just makes things so much better. Um, and like, surprise, and I'm very lucky, like knock on woods, Currently, no one has ruined this and hope no one does. I like working with my friends. Like I, and I think that's just because I have a really good group of friends that like, we all know how to be professional and we all know how to like be friends at the same time. Like I've worked on gigs where like I was in charge and I had to be like, hey, this is what I want. Give me what I want to my friends. And they're like, okay. And then there's been times where like my friends have been my bosses and they're like, Hey, give me what I want. I'm like, okay. And it's not been a problem. So like, I, I really do enjoy working with my friends. And I think that's just cause I don't, I try my best to not keep friends around that are not friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah. So that's, so like, yeah, I mean, there are several friends like, like Danielle, like me and Danielle have worked together, you know, like I love working on stuff like that, but yeah, I definitely think it will be something along those lines. Yeah. How about you? I, I agree with that. Um, I totally agree with you. I love working with people who are excited for the work. Um, I love working with people who are like excited to go on the journey with me, especially, you know, if it's something where I'm like, mm, let's try this and you know, see if it works on your body or if it works with the other people in the scene and let's see what happens. And, and they're just like, yeah, okay, sounds great. Um, and I love when people are like, that sounds great. And then they're like, ooh, what if we did this? Where can I add in this? Or would it be okay if I did this? Um, because I, there's something about working with people who are just excited about what you have to share and will go with you on the journey and kind of not be like, you know, oh, well, I don't really like, like that. Like, no, they'll just be like, okay, yeah, let's try that. Let's see what happens. Um, Such joy. It, it really does. It really, it really, really does. So, yeah. Uh, sorry, next question. Um, how do you let go of a gig that you really loved? And I, again, this makes me think of like summer stocks and like sometimes you just have the perfect gigs. And I think we've shared before some of our favorite gigs and performances that we've done or jobs we worked on and like letting go of them. It's such, I think it's such an important thing that ha- that should be talked about more than it is. Yeah. Because you, I agree because you don't want to get in a thing where you continuously talk about like the same project over and over, or you're like, Oh, well this one time when I worked on this, it was just like so amazing. Or I've even been in the situation where I worked with someone on um on a show and then a couple of years later I worked with them again and I was so excited because I was like they're gonna be amazing and they were on the you know on the creative um the creative team and it like 
wasn't great. You know, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. Um, so, you know, because life happens and, and things happen, right. And like, whatever. Um, but I think when you have a gig, that's like so amazing and so perfect. Like I'm thinking about, I did a production of 13 one year and we just had the most incredible cast, the most incredible team, artistic team, Um, and we all just got along so well and we loved each other. And it was, you know, a group of teenagers because the show was 13 and they all loved each other so much. Um, that you just, it's a sacred space that you just, I think you hold that in your heart. Right. And you're like, wow, like that was really awesome work. And we all worked so well together. And I hope that one day I get to be a part of that feeling again, but I think you just need to realize like, yeah, that was like a kick-ass show and and an amazing time an amazing team and cast and um be grateful for what it was and then continue to to think about what did you do in that in that situation that you can bring to your next project to hopefully have another feeling of excitement in the room I think that's so true you have to kind of find out what the parts that you really loved and try to seek it out I don't say seek it out but like bring that to your next gig because I, I will say the older you get, the easier this will become because hopefully you will be booking so many gigs that like you're just kind of used to it. Um, but like, I, and I say this as an adult, like I had some, I worked on uh, the first TV show I ever worked on. The cast and crew were so very black and it was just, I had never worked with that many African-Americans in a professional setting. And so that was so, like, it was, it was just so enjoyable to me. And I had a couple people that like started that did that gig too. They were like, well, I had a friend that they were coming. This was like their second show like that, where it was just a very, a lot of people that looked like him. And so he was like, see, I don't think he was thinking that was the norm. He just gotten very used to it. And so the next that he was on was very, we were the minorities. <laughs> he was kind of like, oh, this is different, you know, mm-hmm. or like, and, and so it was just, he was like, oh, like it was different in some bad ways, some good ways, you know? And so like, and I, so that like was a moment I think of an adult life that was like literally two, three years ago where that happened. And then I also think of like theater gigs I've done, some summer stock gigs I've done that have been absolutely amazing and like, it's one of those things of like true friends you'll stay connected with plain and simple. Like there are people that I have not worked with since I, Oh God, early twenties, early twenties. And like one of them and like, and she just now she's getting married and I'm going to her wedding, things like that. So like true friends will stick with you. There's only five people in the, in the entire industry. It feels like, so like people will come back again and be mm-hmm. back in your lives. Again. So like, don't let don't fret that they will be back yeah. don't worry yeah like just just keep moving forward and it's okay to love it it's okay to miss it but like you can't keep trying to relive just don't relive. yeah definitely not because you need to stay present and in the moment in every gig and you'll be able to find the magic in any of them then um even the ones that suck your soul out you'll look back and say there are some really awesome moments or i'm so glad i stuck through that because of xyz oh my god i will say that my internship was not glorious i could give an entire dissertation on why i did not enjoy it (laughs) but it's because of my internship that i could have my equity card right now 
Yeah. So there's always good and everything. Right. So like I can't I cannot knock that. Or the yeah. cast that like gave me the bulk of my points. I absolutely love them. They were all wonderful. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah. So our next question is, and I think this is an interesting one. How do you know when it's time to shift your focus as in an actor to a director or a dancer moving into a choreographer role? I knew this question was coming. And I still like, it still blows my mind. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think for me, something that happened to me, well, first of all, if you're an actor and it's time to shift and we've talked about this before it doesn't mean you necessarily have to go into being a director and the same with a dancer or a choreographer yes. not yes. all actors can direct not all dancers can choreograph so however true. putting putting that aside for those that can and will for me i remember i had an audition for a touring show and I was really excited because I knew someone who had been on the tour for a couple of years before. And I was like, I just, I just had this feeling. Like, I just knew I was like, if I go to this audition, like I'll book this tour. Like, this is totally up my alley. Like I'm totally going to book this tour. Um, the girl who had been on it previously and I, like we'd known each other since middle school and we were very similar in stature, in training. I was like, I'm going to book this. And I woke up the morning for the audition and I was in my early twenties and I said, I don't want to go to this audition room. I had no motivation to get my ass out of my bed in my Astoria apartment and go to Manhattan and do like the dance call and then do a reading and be there all day. Like I just had no motivation. And I think that that was the moment where even if I didn't know it at the time, the universe was like, you're, you're done. Like dancing, like, like being the dancer, being the actor is not for you. And I've said this before. I love working on other friends projects, right? Like I've danced in a couple of Tony's projects. I dance for other friends. Like I'll always do stuff like that. I always still love performing. Um, but it was the grind and the hustle. And it was like that job that I could have booked. I was like, I don't nah. I it's funny that you say that that very similarly happened to me where like I just the type of things that like they were holding auditions for and granted I still technically am a performer um but like I like the gigs are all the performance gigs have been like a friend asking me to perform in something or you know like someone calling in a favor and I'm like yeah sure or like it's either been that or it's been things that are like tailor made for me like I did a, t I did a, a play festival, like a 10 minute play festival where like the part that I sang, what it was literally a part that sings and like the character, the character was built off of my persona. Cause I, the, I know the playwright, they built it off of me. And then they were like, well, let's see if he's actually available to do it. And so I was, and so I did the part that was built off of me. So like, I, well, you know, and there's a couple other shows that I'm like, oh, I would love to sink my teeth into that, but I'm so particular about those parts now that like I very rarely call myself an actor or or, or mm -hmm. a singer I would say I would say I literally I say mostly choreographer and director like if you look at what I've done over the last three to four years it's been directing and choreographing and I, I find myself more excited about like 
making those types of choices than I do about acting choices more often than not when it comes to projects. Like when I think of musicals, I think of, oh, how would I direct this or how would I choreograph Mm -hmm. it? And I am very, very blessed because we actually, I really want to do a whole directing episode now um, about how you don't just wake up and decide to be a director or you don't, you might wake up and decide you want to be a director. You don't wake up and start directing things that's not how it works um as me and danielle both can attest to you don't just wake up and become a director of a program you just don't do that and i I, yeah so i just think yeah i think you you know when internally you are no longer excited about those things anymore like when you are no longer excited about being an actor or being a dancer or be or vice versa being a director or being a choreographer wherever you start at when that passion is gone and it just feels like daunting excruciating work it is time to let it go and you may and like i said you might shift and find it in a different way like for me i like personally for me i was not liking the types of roles that i as a black man were auditioning for or were getting or like what what parts were being offered and how like I would get totally ignored on other shows that they care about because in particular they're not I mean this sounds very black and white-ish but like there are not a lot of black shows per se that I want to do because they feel too similar to my childhood I'm like I lived it I don't want to I don't want to do Motown you know I want to do Duracell or Brigadoon you know like give me a big old show with a big old ballet in the middle of it. You know, like those shows excite me. And I wasn't seeing people like me do those types of role, like choreograph or direct those types of things. And I was like, but why? And so I stuck my, you know, I've started sticking my hat in to try to do those things. So I think you just know over time. I don't think it's a, like a car accident shift. I think it's a slow progression that I think you said, even if you don't know it, the shift will happen. Yeah, will happen, and you'll know it. And if you're meant to go from the actor to the director, or the dancer, or the director, or choreographer, or whatever it is, like if you're meant to do that, it's going to happen at some point. Um, I do believe that like people are meant to do certain things, and everyone arrives there in their own timeline. So if you're meant to do that, you will get there for sure. Um, our last question for today is: How many gigs do you do in a year? And this, and uh, so it's kind of twofold. How many have you done in a year before? How many do you want to do? How many should you do type of deal? Um, this question came about from, a, uh, this question was asked to like a big well-known celebrity actor. And they were like, I have got to do better about like double booking and triple booking myself where they're like, I finished a TV show on like Monday and Friday I was on a plane on a movie set, you know, headed to a movie set type of deal. And I'm like, I never had that crazy of it, but I've also, me and Danielle both have had the crazy finish choreographing this, you're on the choreographing this, finish choreographing yeah. this, the choreograph- then you're teaching here, then you're choreographing here. So like, I don't know, thoughts and feelings on that. Like, um, I don't think there's like a number per se. And I think every year is going to be different regardless of COVID. I'm speaking, you know, in non-COVID related anything. Um, you're going to have years where like you just said Tony like you go from show to show to show I mean I remember one year I went I did uh, I worked at a summer sock and I did two shows back two musicals back to back and then I got back to New York City and I had about two weeks and then I started another musical and then that lasted about six weeks I think and then I had 
like four weeks off. And then I started another musical and I was just exhausted. Like I was, um, yeah, like I was so exhausted after that. And I think that whole spring semester, I just like took off and I was like, I can't like, I don't want to teach. I don't want to choreograph. Like, I don't want to do anything because I literally just did, you know, in the times in from July to December, I had done four musicals and was teaching. And I was like, this is too much. Um, but it happens. And, you know, when you're starting out, you get excited about stuff like that. And like now, right. Like I had a whole pandemic and then some, like I'd be down to do, you do a couple of things. Um, and then you, so it, it just ebbs and flows. You make, maybe you make the decision like I did like that year where we got to January and I was like, mm, I need to J chill for a couple months before I go back to my summer stock gig, you know, or there's just not the work that's right for you or the work that you want to work on. It's not there. And so it's a slower year, but I think as long as you are continuing to put yourself out there, you are submitting for work, applying for gigs looking and, and continuing to, to weed through what it is you want to do yes. and what kind of work you want to be associated with. Like you'll get there. Um, there might be years where you get a project that's like a whole year project or it's a six month project and you can't do anything else. You know, there might be years where you are just like teaching here and there and everywhere. And you're only focused on teaching and you're not, you know, if we're talking about choreographing, you're not choreographing any musicals or films or anything. So I think it ebbs and flows. And I think it's just like, you need to, it needs to work for you in the space and the state that you're in. And you just need to, as long as you're continuously going after work, then, um, then you're in a good position and nobody should be telling you that you need to go for more chill or anything like that. And I, I could not agree more because I'm also thinking like, I was about to, I was about to produce and choreograph another uh, dance film project. And then I started working on a movie and then <laughs> that can like, it started slow and then it slowly just started consuming my life for like two or three months. Like it, I, I was not like, I was prepared for the eat up time, but I thought I had more energy to give and I did not, you know, like, so I definitely, I definitely think you have to kind of see where you're at because, and it's also one of those things of as you age, I'm watching that happen now with my younger brother. He's no longer in his uh, mid twenties. He's starting to look at his late twenties and he's realizing his energy isn't the same or, you know, what he has to do. His recovery time isn't the same, you know, on different things. And it's very much the same. I know like, I remember doing those summer stock gigs in my early 20s and being like, I'm great. Let's go. You know, like I sleep for a day. Yeah. I'm on a plane again back to New York. And then I, you know, I finish a gig party in the city, hop in a plane. I'm back in Georgia doing another gig or like I remember doing that. And I'm like the idea of doing that now. I'm just like, oh, I need a nap thinking about it, let alone attempting to do it. I think. And then you get sometimes where I'm like gung-ho let's do four or five projects in a row you know but it's also like what is your commitment to those projects you know yeah like, that's a huge part of it too uh does your is your nine to five a factor in this is it not a factor in this you know like um because i'm always particular like i always i've learned over the years that i like incorporate the end of the semester into like my 
artist schedule because like the end of the towards Christmas and towards like May, end of May, beginning of June, I always have a lot of shows that I've choreographed for like schools, recitals and things like that. So I don't try to book out, like I don't try to do other gigs during those, you know, two, three weeks at both those time periods because I know I'm going to be stuck at schools all day, you know, like so you kind of learn like when when's your busy season when's your relaxed season or like how me and danielle said sometimes you just pick and choose your battles yeah like i i vividly remember there was like one spring where me and danielle were like we're just gonna take class we're not gonna do anything but like just take classes and not anything crazy or like i'm not really applying for anything right now i think it's it's just kind of something you discover over time and it will constantly shift and change depending on what's happening in your life. Like I know plenty of people that are like, yep, I paused to have a kid or I paused to get married, you know, <laughs> now I'm back at yeah. it. You know, all those, all kinds of things like that. Like life, life situations yeah. can determine it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, that brings us into our tip of the week. Um, and this section is all about just a, a lovely tip we'd like to give you guys as you continue on with your week. So I actually was getting drinks with someone um, last night who's a dancer who I've worked with before. And we he had just come from taking class. And I asked him what class he took. And, you know, he said, I went to a beginner class, Danielle, because he's like, listen, we've been in a pandemic. I've been inside. And he was like, I just want to like dance and I need to get back in my body in the space of a dance studio. And he was like, also the, the teacher was like, I don't really teach beginner. I teach to like who's ever in the class, which a lot of teachers will do. They'll teach to, towards whoever chooses to take that class. And I thought that was so lovely because he was like, oh, I'm going to go take like a beginner's like leaps and turns class this week because he's like, I've been inside of my tiny ass living room for the past X amount of months. And like, I don't know what it means to leap and turn in a studio or on a stage anymore. Um, And I think what the tip that's in there is even as a professional dancer, pre-professional, advanced dancer, whatever it is you want to call yourself, never be afraid to go back to your basics. Um, I think that's always such a smart idea. Take that beginning class, that beginner advanced class and who cares if someone in the corner is like, oh, wow, why are they taking this class? You're taking it for, so you can get back in your body and back in the technique. And that's going to serve you later in life. You know, it makes me think of center stage when she's talking to Zoe Saldana. She's like, Donna Murphy talking to Zoe Saldana. She's like, go back to the bar. Yeah. Like, go back. I like, I'm always like that. Cause trust me, that will be me taking that beginner class again. Cause like, I have not, I have not turned in over a year. I've done no. some jumps messing around, but I have not, I, like even playing, I have not done turns in over a year. So God help my body. Um, yeah. But like, uh, yeah, oh, that's such a good one. Oh, dang it. Now I need to get one. Enjoy the summer. I know it's sort of like my tip from last week, but like I say, enjoy the summer. Like, I don't know where you are with your comfort levels with COVID and things opening back up, but like, find something fun and outdoorsy to do with the people that you love and you feel safe and go do it. You know, like I'm, I'm coming up on a, you know, my end of school year vacation trip. Um, and so like me and the boys rented a cabin and we're hanging out and I can't wait to like, just relax and chill and not do anything for a couple of days. Um, I think that's like, just so, I think that's so important after the year that we have like, and I, go find a beach I wanna, way to or climb a mountain. I don't know if you're a beach person or like a mountain person, but like go find some escape with people you love and enjoy it. 
And I want to piggyback off of that really quick because we are about to go into like a wild audition season and projects happening. And I may have mentioned this before, but I definitely think um, as things are reopening and things are getting better, like, yes, apply to the work, go to the auditions, do the do, but also like, it's okay to not. Um, I was on the phone with a friend earlier and she was like, oh, like, what are you doing this summer? Are you doing any summer stock? Are you choreographing any concert pieces? And I said, No, I said, you know, I have a piece that I choreographed months ago that I'm interested in submitting to some festivals. I'm going to shop that around. Um, But I'm not, I want to kind of relax and I want to kind of like get all my ducks in a row. Like I want to go back to taking class. I want to start submitting my piece um, and just like enjoy being able to do things after, you know, over a year of like, yes, I know there were moments in the pandemic where things got better, but like, it's different. Um, So yeah, and also shame, I will say shameless plug, something I am um, diving into this summer is since we do have so many things reopening and audition starting, um, I am gonna make dance reels. I'm making one for someone already choreographing, making, let me rephrase. I am choreographing dance reels. I will not be doing any editing or videographing or anything like that, but I'm choreographing dance reels. We had a huge episode on this a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it about why it's so important to have the professional do your dance reel. But I like, I'm working on it with someone and then someone else reached out to me recently. And I was like, this is something I'm going to do. So you need a dance reel. Get at me. I'm doing that's nothing really, that's like my only like summer choreography thing I'm really doing. And I'm excited to kind of dabble in it. Maybe something will change, but the deal will have to be sweet. My next gig is not until August and I don't. Mm, nope. <laughs> like I, yeah, I'm enjoying my Enjoying my summer. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. Don't forget to like comment and subscribe you can find us on your favorite podcast app we are at point pyt on all social media platforms i'm your co-host tony williams the second and i'm your co-host danielle clangelo see you next week on point your toes the adventures of an nyc dance